Welcome to Financial Plan and Explain, and I'm your host, Mike Menninger, Certified Financial Planner, owner and founder of Menninger & Associates Financial Planning. Uh, I'm pleased to be joined here with two of my associates. I've got all the way to my right, Ryan Keefe, um, and to my immediate right is uh, Kyle Ryan, also a Certified Financial Planner. Uh, today, we're going to be talking a little bit about, I guess, general questions of kind of the industry and also about our firm as how we do business, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, let's jump right in. Uh, what we've demonstrated over the past few episodes when we're doing Q&A, we don't get very many cues <laughs> done. <laughs> All right, let's fire away right out of the gates. Um, is your firm a fiduciary, and what exactly does that entail? Well, we just got over this in, in a previous mm-hmm. question, but... Um, yes, we, we act in a fiduciary capacity. Having the CFP, the Certified Financial Planner, requires us to act in that way, and as a firm, we just morally would prefer to act in that way. And what a fiduciary means is that as advisors, we put our client's interests ahead of our own. We act in their best interests, not as ours. And you know that is incredibly important when you're having someone manage your financial well-being and your, your livelihood. And, and one would think that everybody would do that. It's not that way. And, and it's just unfortunate because I shouldn't say this, but you know I'm gone anyway. When I hear someone as a financial advisor, my immediate knee-jerk reaction is one of distrust. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's unfortunate. Um, it's like a used car salesman, you know, the, the, regu- the industry has uh, still a ways to go to, you know, clear its name. Well, you got the Bernie Madoffs of this world. I mean, you don't right. think that has an impact on us? And, Absolutely. And one of the things, ever since I've come aboard with this firm, I've noticed and I've seen, we have really high client retention rate. Yes. And I believe, wholeheartedly one of those reasons is because we are fiduciaries and we don't just preach that we're fiduciaries we we actually do it right and we um, don't even pre- preach that oh yeah. we're a fiduciary they see they could tell right. right out of right out of the gates so all right next question oh look at this question what is your investment philosophy <laughs> <laughs> and how do you manage investments well okay here's the answer to the question go back two episodes <laughs> or three episodes however whenever it was a few weeks ago yeah. that we did this uh, and that is going to be my answer to the question. We did an entire episode on our investment philosophy. Furthermore, we also have our investment philosophy on our website. And in a nutshell, it goes back to the fiduciary, diversification, active management, and trying to protect our clients' assets and Absolutely. all the different things that can go with it. So I'm going to move on because we did an entire episode on that. Um, next question, what is typically, oh, it's a good one. What is typically involved when you bring on a new client? That's a good question. Ah. That's a good question. <laughs> I can go through the technical steps. <laughs> what are the technical steps? <laughs> well, of course, you, you meet and establish a relationship right. with the client, right? You know, what we do as a firm typically is we'll have an introductory meeting. You know, um, depending on the client and their needs, if they're not immediate, we'll say, come in, let's get to meet each other. Mm-hmm. We'll learn a little bit about you as an individual, as a family, your goals, your wishes, everything qualitative. And then you can learn about us as a firm, you know, get to meet us as individuals, learn how we work. Um, and then, you know, if we agree that, you know, we could be a good fit for each other, we start getting your information. That is really the brunt of it, is getting information and analyzing it because we could be going back and forth for days, weeks, depending on how quickly we get information, you know whether it mean tax returns, pay stubs, there's a whole litany of information we could need. And analyzing 
evaluating that information, setting another meeting potentially to get uh, gather the data, and then meeting again to talk about what our recommendations are. What does it look like to implement them? What does it look like, you know, why do we believe in what we're recommending? Not only that, but we're going to show you all your options, right? The tagline of our firm is education is our product. We want to make sure that you not only understand why we're recommending something, but what your, what your other options are and why we're ultimately recommending what we are, right? Because yeah. at the end of the day, if we're going to make a recommendation, uh, it's, it's going to be for good reason. And you're a whole lot more apt to embrace it and implement it if you understand why you're doing it and not just because Mike or Kyle or Ryan or one of the other associates uh, recommended it. The other thing is, and I've been criticized for this, and guess what? They can pack sand. My, my <laughs> critics can pack sand. So I have a propensity to have very long meetings and I believe in the education. And so what happens a lot of times, maybe not the introductory meeting, but the first meeting when we're gathering data, as I'm gathering data, what we're trying to do is as we're trying to gather and digest the data, we're also teaching the client what it is they have. You know, whether it be they're showing us their investment statements. Are you aware of you know, the difference between the taxable investments in your 401k, which are pre-tax, between that, the Roth IRA and non-qualified assets? We take a look at their pay stubs and their income, and we look at their income taxes. Do you understand how the income tax system works? And we teach them how the income tax system works in a very simplified manner that enables them to understand because we take the time to teach our clients, and there's no question in my mind that is absolutely what sets us apart from yeah. our peers absolutely. in the industry. And, and a lot of times I, I, when clients come back for follow-up meetings, they will only remember just a little bit <laughs> of all the stuff that we went over and taught them. And that's you know, sort of by design. It's kind of like, look, we're, there's a lot we're going to show you, and you're just going to keep learning as the right. relationship builds. And we're not going to, you know, at least I've never seen us do it, we don't give a boilerplate financial plan. You know, you go to some financial planning firms, you, get a, you walk away with this 100-page document that 95% of it is the same for everyone else, and then five pages of it, it's your data. Right. Right. So what we do is, you know, we meet with you, and we'll send you a follow-up, you know, whether it's an email, letter, and we'll just set expectations, set a schedule of what's going to happen. So you're not like, oh, I just met with them, now, now what? You know, you, you have mm -hmm. to set expectations for what's going to come in the relationship and when. Yeah, exactly. And, and we stand by everything that we do. And you know we don't bite, we don't try to sell. And if there's not an opportunity, that's that's fine. Because guess what? You know if you do the right thing, you know full well that if they hit the lottery, I know full well who they're going to call. Yep, it's very like simple. Most of and our clients a, come in through referrals. Yeah, if a friend asks them what they need to do, oh, I, I met these guys. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. And so you know you always do the right thing. It's like telling the truth. If you always tell the truth, you never have to worry about what you last said. If you always do the right thing, you never have to worry about what your thought process was. Things change, mm -hmm. but anyway. Oh, good question. How are financial advisors compensated? Well, uh, go ahead. Do you want to take it? Um, there's, there's a few different uh, models. Um, you know, our model is through, mainly through investing and uh, assets under management. So what we'll do is take you know, client money, we'll invest it for them, and we'll charge a fee on that money 
that's billed every you know quarter. Some it depends on the firm, um, but essentially that's what we that's sort of our retainer retainer, and that will you know help you with your taxes, your investments, your retirement planning, insurance. Any question you might have, financially related, you can come to us at any time throughout the year, and that's that's our fee for doing so. Right. Um, there are other advisors that are more commission based that you know. When they you know sell investments, uh, they get they get revenue from that, um, and, and a new a newer model that's coming into the fold is the fee for service model, where uh, you know we're starting to see you know some people come in for a one time financial planning fee, and you know they charge a couple you know hundred thousand dollars whatever it might be, and you get a full financial plan, and then you know you might not really talk to them until you know a few years down the road. Um, yeah. So that's, and, and basically the law provides that there's only a few ways with which you can be compensated. And so, yeah, as it pertains to asset management, I mean, we have very, very strong investment background and team that, quite frankly, and just use 1%, varies from person to person. But if we charge people 1%, if we can make up that 1%, and do better than they would have otherwise done, then all of the other financial planning, the tax planning, investment planning, retirement planning, estate planning, coordinating with their accountant, coordinating with their attorneys, all that's for free. You know, and, and the value that we bring to the table is it's no question in my mind. And as Ryan pointed out, there is, uh, we do do a lot of, uh, what do you do if you don't have assets? And that's fine. So what we've done also before is there are people who don't want us to manage the assets. They want to manage it themselves, and that's fine, too. So we'll charge them a fee for service. Mm -hmm. And if and when the time comes, if they want to come bring their assets to us, that's fine. But generally speaking, and I just got through doing this with someone else the other day, is, and I pointed out kind of what you were saying about the financial plan, the 100-page document, the reality of it is that's a document that gets put on the shelf and never gets opened again. Our documents are breathing and working and living documents whereby it, it, it's, whenever we have meetings with clients next year, the following year, whatever, we're always going back to the financial plan that we looked at. Because, you know, financial plan, what were our strategies and recommendations from the last time? And it's something that builds itself over the years, but goes back. How are they compensated? There's only a few small ways. And, you know, we do so little of the compensation through, I think it was at 99.4% of our compensation is through advisory. Advisory assets. Exactly. The Not that we can't. The industry's evolving. Yeah, so you're going to see more fee-for-service. And the, yeah, the answer is, how should I get charged by my financial advisor? It just completely depends on your financial circumstances and what Correct. you're looking for. Absolutely. It's, we work with you, and, and hopefully other advisors will work with you to be able to provide you with your advice and guidance. All right. Ooh, I like this one. This has been a hot topic for me. How do you, as financial advisors, track investment performance? and benchmarking. I'm gonna take this one because it's been a thorn in my side for years, okay? So, how do we track investment performance? Well, first of all, there's software out there. Yeah, we all know there's software out there. So we have software that enables us to track how did your accounts do, over what period of time, whatever period of time you wanna know. Uh, this time of year, we'll look at year to date, one year, three year, 
Okay, we'll show us last quarter. We, we, we can look at any time period that we want. Okay, um, you know, sometimes we'll do it since the last time we met. So we have the ability to track that uh, at all times, uh, at any time, really, because we have the software to do it. It's, it's all software. Yep. Benchmarking is the question. So, Define benchmarking. Right, well, benchmarking. Okay, I did 10%. Is 10% good or 10% bad? What do I compare it to? That's benchmarking. Thank you for... So benchmarking is what are you comparing? What's the benchmark? What are we comparing to? I struggled with that for years. If you're comparing to the S&P 500 as kind of a standard benchmark for investments, well, if we're running a portfolio that's balanced with 60% stock and 40% bonds, and the S&P 500 is up 12%, then I'm probably up eight. <laughs> well, I'm stinking up the joint, aren't I? Right. Okay, but on the other hand, is it fair for me to say, well, the S&P is down 10%, woo -hoo. Well, look how good we are, we're only down three. Okay, that's still not fair. Mm -hmm. So then, I said, all right, well, let's take the S&P 500. If I'm comparing it to a 60-40 portfolio, I'll take the S&P 500, 60% and 40% bonds. Mm -hmm. Well, the problem is, is that the S&P 500 doesn't pick up mid caps and small caps. International. international. It doesn't pick up international. It doesn't pick up emerging markets. Now what? Okay, so if international goes on a tear and we're comparing the S&P 500, we're going to look good. If international stinks up the joint and we're in a bunch of international, guess what? We're going to look bad. Mm -hmm. So struggled with this until probably two or three years ago I said hey why don't we compare ourselves to the portfolio models produced by our biggest local fun company that everybody knows and compare it to their target retirement models so we compare to their target retirement models, and this again goes back to how do we do? We've compared to their models, and basically what's happening is that we've demonstrated we're keeping right pace with a company that has virtually zero fees, and we're keeping pace with them net of fees. Corresponding models in terms of the same amount of equities. Right, right. Same amount of AI. Their particular thing is 60%, ours is 60%, ours is 40, theirs is 40. We use that as a comparison. And if we can keep pace with a virtually zero fee portfolio model, then we're making up our fees on the investment, which means we're doing everything else for free. But aside from that, the benchmarking piece is what stuck me for the longest time mm -hmm. until I decided to compare. And then there are other... Uh, portfolio models out there that are considered gold standards in the industry not allowed to name them but mm -hmm. they're gold standards in the industry hey you know how are we doing relative to our peers and that's what we're trying to compare ourselves to right. and we're doing well unfortunately there's no black and white answer to benchmarking so everyone's gonna have their own way to do it sure right. sure anyway uh, we're up against break uh, we will be back with you in just a few moments we'll pick up with more questions and answers Have you saved enough for retirement? Are you financially prepared for an emergency or unexpected event? Have you thought about your financial future? 
Hi, I'm Mike Menninger, founder of Menninger & Associates Financial Planning. For over 20 years, we have been answering our clients' questions just like these as we develop unique and comprehensive financial plans tailored to meet their needs. When addressing your financial plan, we incorporate your entire financial picture, including taxes, estate planning, as well as investment planning and retirement planning. So call us today for a complimentary no-obligation consultation. A unique approach to financial planning. Welcome back to Financial Planning Explained. I'm your host, Mike Menninger, Certified Financial Planner, and I got two of my associates, uh, Kyle to my right and Ryan Alloy to my right. Uh, we're picking up where we left off on questions and answers, kind of about the industry and or how do we handle things. So uh, where we left off, uh, what is the next question? How do financial advisors like yourselves take into account assets that you are unable to manage, such as my 401k, who wants to take that? I'd, I'd be happy to talk about it. I mean, um, so our firm, as we stated in previous questions, we like to look at your overall financial picture, not just the assets that we can manage. Right. Um, so what we're going to want to know is, you know, do you have a 401k? What are your investment options? And, you know, if you're so limited, maybe we can counteract that with your investments that we can manage. Or if you don't have any investments yet that we can manage, we're going to help you best grow that 401k so that when you eventually you leave the company or retire, you know, you're in a better financial position uh, down the road than you are today. Right. So we're allowed to help them manage their 401k. Right. And with that, it even goes above and beyond it. We help them take a look at, is your company, are you maximizing company match? Okay. You'd be surprised how many people are out there that don't actually get the full match for one reason or another. And we've written papers on that before. Um, so that and, and pay stubs, do we go with traditional 401k or Roth 401k? So that's just all part of our planning that we do. Mm -hmm. All right, next question. Can I work with a financial advisor if I don't have investable assets? Kind of talked about that before. You want to take that again? Who wants it? Sure. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, it, it, again, it's what's best for the client. If you have a need for financial planning services, you don't have investment assets, yes, you can find a financial advisor who will work with you. Um, they're just not going to charge you the asset under management fee. Right. right. So they can do, you know, a fee for service and just throwing out a number. They charge you 50 bucks a month, right? And that's, you know, if that, you can fit that into your budget, then that's how we work together. So, yes, you can work with someone who doesn't have investable assets. Right. Exactly. You know, and, and doing financial plans could be a one-time fee. Um, times like you're doing, we, we've done more of the one-time fees. Um, and usually that's establishing a relationship and we're not going to, oh, we're, you're, you're, we have to start a new fee. Yeah. We don't people worry about who work that. with you on retainers, you know. Yeah. Exactly. So there's many ways of doing it. All right. Next. Uh, how can a financial, I like this question. How can a financial advisor work with me through various stages in my life? That's a great, great question, really. It's a loaded question. You can make an episode about this question. I know. <laughs> you can go through the various stages. Well, you could. So um, let's take a few minutes with and, it. And I, you've spoken a few times about this, and I like the analogy. It's kind of like steering a ship when you're in water. You know, a lot of times I'll run into the friends of mine who are in their late 20s, early 30s, and they're like, Ryan, I, I don't have that much in investable assets. Why, why should I start working with a financial advisor now? 
And it's like, well, if you position yourself today when you have 30, 40 years till retirement, you, you know, that, that turn is going to be a lot easier to make down the, down the, down the pike. Whereas if you're, you know, later on in life when you finally have investable assets, you could be all disorganized. You might not be nearly in the position you could have been if you had gotten organized very early on. And I think that's kind of why it's a very good thing to get started with a financial advisor early, that they can help put you in a position to maximize your 401k, get the company match, put it into investment vehicles such as the Roth IRA, um, if it makes sense for you and then grow your assets down the line and put you in a better position for retirement. Well, that's early. Mm -hmm. So the various stages in life, you have various issues mm -hmm. that you need to deal with. When you then, so you're talking about someone who may be single in their 20s, now all of a sudden you get married, you're in your 30s and you're having children, mm -hmm. it takes on a brand new set of circumstances. It could be best to look at it from like a life cycle approach, mm -hmm. you know, like early, early uh, career is going to be much different financial needs than retirement, right? As you have kids, as you get married, you have liabilities that you need to protect, right? Um, you know, as you're in your highest earning years, that's when you need to be stocking away the most for retirement. So, I mean, you could break this down really, really deep. Uh, but yeah, the, you, every single stage that you're at in life, you're going to have different needs for your financial planning, you know, background. So, well, absolutely. And, and so we'll piggyback on that. So when you're in your 30s, let's say 30s and 40s, you know, that's the point with which you're generally raising a family. Okay. Your kids are growing up. You're poor. <laughs> okay. You know, but, but you have actually significant but different needs. It may be you're probably at the point in your life where your life insurance needs are at their greatest because the purpose of life insurance is to provide a backdrop to protect your income in case of loss of income mm -hmm. and dying is a permanent loss of income. <laughs> disability, um, if you get disabled. Disability insurance, making sure that you're adequately dis uh, mm -hmm. good that. Uh, saving for college if that's a goal. Saving it, it, in general. Buying a house, yep. paying down yep. the house. You're, you're probably also gonna be at your highest level of debt that you've ever been in, whether it's still having student loans, the mortgage, car loans. You know, that's when you're sucking wind the hardest is during the 30s and 40s, and then all of a sudden, you, you get into the 50s where now the kids are out of the house, which by the way, it's your biggest raise, okay? <laughs> <laughs> when the kids are off the payroll. <laughs> um, and, and so, it, definitely, and, and it goes back to your thing, it, and I just thought of an analogy, you know, you think when you're 25, 30 years old, you know, what's the difference of an advisor? It, it's like the ship. A little bit of a difference isn't gonna make a difference. You steer the ship a little bit. It doesn't right. do much in the first couple hundred yards, but all of a sudden, down the pike, it makes a big difference if you're veering off track or staying on track. It's like my mm. golf shot. I can drive the ball 300 yards, 200 that way, 100 <laughs> that way. All right, but if I hit it straight, so so basically the comment is, keep an on path, maximizing tax efficiencies, protecting yourself through the various different types of insurances, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, one thing that I've thoroughly enjoyed about my financial planning career is having met many, many people, hundreds, clearly hundreds, probably thousands of people. Um, I've had the, the pleasure of observing people think and behave differently in different age groups. 
Okay, different demographics. 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s. They think and behave differently, their priorities are different, mm -hmm. and their values are different. But one thing that I've found that is sort of, it's like your eyes go when you're like 40 or 42. You got that to look forward to, okay? <laughs> you know, people all of a sudden need reading glasses. And it's right around the same time. But here's what I've found is that it's right around the age of 60 plus or minus a few that people begin to get tired and tired of it. Mm -hmm. And one thing is for certain, I can tell clients that we meet in our 30s or 40s who started early and those that didn't. Mm -hmm. Because those that started early are so much better positioned so that when the time comes in your late 50s, when you begin to get tired and or tired of it, mm -hmm. or God forbid, a medical event, a disabling event, you just can't work, you get laid off from one company, and trust me when I tell you, there's age discrimination out there. You start early, it makes a huge difference right. for when it comes. Now, you could be, forget retirement for a moment, really the term to use is financial independence. If you're 60 years old and you're financially independent, that basically means you're working because you want to work and not because you have to work. And trust me when I tell you, and we've seen this before, we've experienced this before, when we meet with a client who's saying, hey, you know, I'm thinking about pulling the trigger, but I don't want to, but they know they can because they're financially capable right. of retiring. Oh, let me tell you something, going to work every day, it's a whole big different attitude knowing full well that you could pull the trigger and just leave. And, yeah. and one added benefit, I think, as financial advisors to clients that come in and they have questions, concerns about their you know, stage in life, you know, we've, we see hundreds if not thousands of different people who have gone through these stages right. of their life. So unbiasedly and unemotionally, we can make pretty solid recommendations on what has worked for some people, what common pitfalls people fall into, and you know, try to steer them in the right direction that right. works for them. Yeah. And, and also, to your point earlier, provide alternatives, options, you know, this is what could happen if you did this, or this happened, or this didn't happen, mm -hmm. and ultimately allow the clients the ability to make their own decision based upon the facts and the understanding, the pitfalls, like you said. There are things that could happen, may happen, will happen. You, you just don't know, but they can make educated decisions. Mm -hmm. And you know, I, I, I love watching. So not only has it been really cool in the last 22 plus years in the industry, observing people in different demographic age groups, mm -hmm. but watching people go through them. Yeah. And watching somebody who's 70 years old that I've been working with since they were 50 and watching their priorities change, particularly grandma. The moment grandkids come rolling in, wow, that is the hugest <laughs> priority change. Guess what? You have kids, you, you're behind them am, with I mom. <laughs> Guess what? Your children just move the head. Yeah, right, exactly. So plan to take the back seat. All right, so that's basically the end of this episode. We're out of time. Uh, once again, I hope you found this to be entertaining, but more importantly, educational. 
uh, as we go through the various areas of financial planning. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. I look forward to seeing you uh, for our next episode. We may do this Q&A. We get a lot of uh, favorable feedback. So um, thank you for joining. You have a wonderful day and you have a wonderful week. Thank you.